Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is co-host and fellow lifelong Houston sports junkie, Stephen Curran. Stephen, the NBA is officially coming back in late July. But when you and I last got together a couple of weeks ago, it looked like Major League Baseball was definitely on the way back. Now, not so sure about that. Yeah, not so sure about that, Robert. And I hate to say it, but I think this is one of the reasons baseball, even though it is it is my favorite sport in the whole world. I mean, if I could you you call me a Houston sports junkie, and that's accurate. But I think I'm a baseball junkie. I could I could watch a baseball. I could watch a little league baseball game, even if I didn't know who was playing, didn't know any of the players. That's how addicted I am to baseball. But I honestly think that this whole rift between the players and owners or their their inability to agree on whether to have a season, how much of a season to have, I this is one of the reasons baseball is lagging behind in the popularity vote as far as American sports is concerned. And this is just one more thorn in their side that they can't even agree on how to have a season. There, there's no way that you're going to have a full season. There's no way you're going to have a full salary. There are a lot of businesses that have lost a lot of money. So you would think there could be some compromise between these two. But as of this recording, they're still trying to figure it out. The thing I go back to is the mid-90s. is The last time they screwed it up this big, they lost an entire postseason. People said, I don't know if baseball is going to be able to come back. And luckily they had Cal Ripken and they had the fake Sosa McGuire home run race to save their butt. There, there's not going to be that this time. No, there isn't. And, you know, there was the strike of 81, but at least they resumed the season. But yeah, 94, that's that's when it all stopped. There, there was no World Series. Jeff Bagwell would have won the Most Valuable Player Award that year, you may remember. He he was having the season of a lifetime when the season was, of course, it, he, he broke his hand, I think, just like two days before the season was halted. So there were good things happening with the Astros in 94, but none of that got realized. But yeah, this is very close to it. And honestly, the, these proposals that are going back and forth, you know, one side wants 114 games, the other wants 40. You know, now they come with a 62 game or an 82. I Honestly, I think the players have it right as far as, at least as far as the number of games. Why not just play half of the season, 81, 82 games if you want to make it even. And that, that should be ideal, but... Uh, there are just too many differences on both sides right now for any kind of agreement to be reached. What's the fewest amount of games that you would think would be acceptable or just you would find acceptable to be a legitimate baseball? I mean, what point do we get just it's ridiculous? Well, I think 40 is ridiculous. I mean, if you, I think 162 is too many anyway. But, I mean, what what is the point of playing 40 games out of a baseball season that normally has – like four times that many. I, I think 82 is the ideal number if you do it now. Now, if you wait another month or two, then yeah, I guess 40, 60 games is going to be the norm, unless you want the season to go on late, just like the NBA is doing, which they could do, I suppose. But yeah, if you wait too long, then I, I, to me, if you're going to play 40 games, why don't you just shut the whole darn season down? I kind of look at baseball, maybe like I'm starting to look like the rest of the world that Maybe it needs to get so broken, Stephen. It needs to get so messed up before we fix the big picture problems with baseball and the big picture problems, including 
hey, the season is too long, number one. We need to shorten the season anyway. Maybe down the road th- that could happen. But also, uh, even if that doesn't happen, and it probably won't, you're, you still can start looking at some of the major issues. And maybe the biggest issue, and we're seeing it right now, it, and it never goes away, it seems like in baseball, is there's always this major rift between the players and the ownership, more so than really any sport on, on a continuous basis. Yeah, I think that's part of it, Robert. But I also think that baseball has a serious marketing problem. And if you think about it, I saw a survey recently that says the average baseball fan, you know, the ones who not not the ones who pay for the skyboxes and the, the suites and the things like that. The average baseball fan is like almost my age, like in your 50s, 40s and 50s. That's too old. You have got to start marketing to the younger crowd, the the millennials, the, even the kids. Now, I know they have some marketing efforts of academies, and they're trying to do more with inner city things, but it's they've gotten so far behind. It's like trying to solve traffic problems in a city that, you know, you wait 20 years and the city keeps growing, and by the time you look up, the traffic is so bad, it's almost too late to try to fix it. And I think that's where baseball is as far as them trying to market the game. You, you, and, and these rules changes they're proposing, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, some of them may help the game along, make it go faster. But, you know, baseball is always going to be baseball. It's not football. It's not basketball. It's not the, the violent, you know, end-to-end action that, that football, basketball, and hockey are. It's baseball. You know, it would be like trying to take golf and make it like basketball. You just can't do it. But I, I think a lot of it is in the marketing, and that's that's one of the other problems besides what you're saying, the rift between the players and owners. One uh, thing that I was reading just uh, yesterday was that baseball is also looking at um, something that could affect the Astros with, when they're talking uh, really what, what kind of deals they want to make with the players and the owners. And one of the issues that uh, I, I saw was that they possibly could eliminate this compensatory pick for losing a free agent. So boy, this could have major effects on the Astros considering at the end of the season, they lose George Springer and, and they might not get anything for him, Steven. I mean, that, that, that that's the kind of deal that they're trying to make right now. So we got to keep an eye on all the little wrinkles that are, that are going on with this deal that they're making with the, with the owners and the players right now. Well, that's right. And, and especially now it would hurt the Astros because the draft has already shrunk. What is it? Five rounds that it's going to be the, the Astros, They've already lost some draft choices because of their cheating situation. So you combine that, plus if they if they got rid of the compensatory pick, talk about the pressure that you have on the Astros scouting department. Man, it, it would be just almost unheard of to have so few draft picks just because of your own screw-up. And then you add the fact that the draft is going to be much, much smaller. You know, and, and then the whole minor league situation. You know, that's something that you have to deal with. A lot of minor league teams probably aren't ever going to come back, not just because of COVID-19, but because of the thing with Major League Baseball wanting to do away with a lot of the minor league teams. It, it is just ripe with problems, Robert. And I think you said it, I, you said it well a little while ago. Maybe it, it, we just, baseball needs to practically fall apart like our country's doing right now with this, this whole race issue before it can be fixed. And that, that's a shame, though. It's, it's a total shame. Well, it, it's a shame, but maybe maybe it comes out better in the end. But that, that's a whole other thing. Let's try to go to something a little bit more positive. It's really the one positive that we've seen this last week in sports. And one of the 
big positives, I think, just as far as everything in the world right now is the NBA, they've got a plan. They're coming back. Uh, let's run down the plan a little bit. Uh, we've got games starting as soon as July 31st in Orlando, which still seems like a long ways away. But yeah, it does. at least it gives us something to look forward to. So here we go. Each of the 22 teams invited to Orlando, if you don't know the plan at this point, they're going to play eight seeding games to finish the season. So eight games in total uh, with each team picking up its schedule where it left off when the league was suspended. If a game comes up against a team that wasn't one of the 22 teams that were invited or against a team that has already concluded its final eight games, you just skip over that opponent and you move to the next. So the Rockets, the, la- the last eight games versus the Lakers, Blazers, Kings, Bucks, Mavericks, Pacers, 76ers, and Raptors. And, and notice that I don't give you it's home or away because there's no such thing with Orlando right. being the site. And, and once each team has played its remaining schedule, the top seven season, seeds in each conference get uh, locked in. At that point, if the nine seed is within four games of the eight seed, there will be, be a play-in series for the final spot in each conference. So what do you think of this plan, Stephen? Well, it's different. I, I don't know how else you really could have done it, though. I mean, I think it's as fair as fair is going to be. You know, the other the other teams who were not in the system, they eight games wouldn't have changed their situation. They were going to be in the lottery anyway. I guess, you know, for some purists, you know, you would probably want a, a season with all 30 teams. But, you know, nothing is normal right now, Robert. And that's I think that's the thing we have to remember. Now, for the Rockets, you know, the the fact that they were tied for fifth with Oklahoma City. I mean, the, this is going to be a big deal. These eight games are going to mean a lot for the Rockets because the, it could easily change their seating either from good to bad just with these eight games. And that's not a lot of games if you think about it. But with the Rockets, if if they could just, you know, do something with those eight games, even if, you know, six and two, five and three, something like that, um, then it could only help them maybe be in one of the top three or four seeds in the NBA. Yeah, it's a little different. It's going to take some getting used to, and it's a little complex. But this is what you have to play with right now. The season's already, it, it should have been over, or, or would be about over, I think, in the next week or two, if you had played under normal circumstances. So the fact it's not even going to be picking up until the end of July, well, the season would have been long over by then. So nothing's normal right now. And I think this is really the best thing that the NBA could have come up with. And hey, the big thing is, there was no disagreement between the players and owners. They just want to play ball. Right. And the other thing that you look at with this is, you know, we're talking about all about the seating. It, it only matters matchup wise. So that's all you really care right. about. No home court advantage here. So that's thrown out the window. As you look at all of this, Steve, if you look at the big picture, um, are there any parts about this plan that could be beneficial for the Rockets title chances? Do you see anything that could help them? just the way this is set up. Obviously, you know, uh, one thing the Rockets are used to, uh, no fans in the building in the first quarter because you've been to the Toyota Center in the first quarter recently. Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. And there are probably some other teams that uh, really wouldn't notice much of a difference. But, I, you know, I think it's an even playing field as far as that is concerned with no fans. That, that's going to be, boy, that, that's going to be crazy for, for really any team. You know, I, I think with the Rockets, I, I think a lot of what benefits the Rockets is just the downtime that they've had. Um, and, and I think, you know, not having a home court, you know, maybe in some ways it could, it could be in their favor that they don't have to worry about, you know, because no team has a real advantage 
it's all in one place. But I think the biggest boom uh, boost for the Rockets is just the the health factor. You, you know, James Harden has has gotten some rest. P.J. Tucker and uh, Eric Gordon, they they you've got their health. You know, that's been a problem all year long. Gives them a chance, hopefully, to get healthy. So, I think to me, that's really the biggest thing I think that the Rockets have that that could give them, if not an advantage, then certainly a great chance to win a title. The other thing is, I mean, if you figured everything out before we closed play a few months ago, the Lakers had all the momentum. They were the healthiest team. Everything looked like it was in their favor at that point. But now you you said it. I mean, Eric Gordon, he's had plenty of time. Maybe he gets it together finally. And we finally see the Eric Gordon that we've seen when he's been really healthy in playoffs past. And also, uh, you've got to factor in the fact that uh, we're, we're seeing a brand new James Harden. Skinny James is the—that's the story, Stephen. You heard about this? I have heard that. Yeah, I've heard he's slimmed down quite a bit. So uh, yeah, that should be interesting. Does that mean a uh, faster, quicker James Harden? I don't know. It would be interesting. I, I can't wait to find out. But yeah, you—you you touched on something else that I was thinking too, Robert. Is teams like the Lakers and the Bucks—they had all the momentum, and now it's come to a screeching halt. Can they even get half of that back? with this uh, downtime. What has it been? Three months? Yeah. It's been three months since the season has been, I mean, it's been almost like an off season for, for all these teams that are in this. Right. And, and I, I just, I also go back to that skinny James thing because not only, I think maybe the three months helped him to get in better shape, a, a different James Harden. This is going to be really interesting, but also, you know, he, he got that long look at the Michael Jordan documentary and he said that inspired him and, and Geez, I, I hope Michael Jordan somehow inspires uh, him maybe more than other guys. And, and he really needed maybe that kick in the butt more, more than some other guys. Well, whatever it takes to inspire him, then uh, we he, the Rockets certainly need him to be inspired, especially now that it is playoff time. And one thing that we certainly shouldn't say, Robert, is, well, James Harden, you know, is he going to have enough energy for the playoffs? Well, he better because he's been off for three months. I mean, I'm sure he's been working out, but... He certainly hasn't been in any game situations in the last three months. So you, you can't use the excuse, well, James Harden's worn out. He's played 82 regular season games, and he's played way too many minutes. So, yeah, maybe a, a slimmer, skinnier James. I wonder if he's going to have to get rid of the beard. The, the beard might actually weigh him down because he's lost some weight. I think he needs that beard just for the padding when he goes into the paint. Is I, I think that might be the main thing. Well, that could be. It's yeah. almost like his – you know, it's his thing. It's I think if you shave his beard, it's it's kind of a kryptonite deal. So you want to keep the beard. I, I was looking at the key dates also uh, coming up, uh, looking at the bigger picture here. And June 21st, players report, and then they're going to have virus testing that starts the next day. Uh, June 30th, beginning of training camps, and everybody goes to Orlando July 7th after they've had that couple of weeks. Then July 31st, that's the beginning of a restarted season, like I said, October 12th, the last possible day, if there's a Game 7 in the finals. Uh, another key date, August 25th is when the NBA draft lottery is going to be. And for the lottery, they're actually freezing your spot from when play was stopped in March. So you can't move right. up or down based on the last eight games. It's complicated, so we're probably going to have to expound on that in a later date. The draft's October the 15th, by the way. And then October 18th, start a free agency. And... This is big, uh, Stephen, because, you know, November 10th, we're just talking like weeks later, like three weeks later, is training camps for next year. Not much of a breather for the final four or eight playoff teams. 
And with next year's opening night, December the 1st, Stephen, it'd be, I think it'd be much better if Christmas Day was the opener, like people were talking about. But I guess they'll try to get next year done before the Olympics for Team USA. That, that's the only thing that I can make sense out of such an early date for the start of next year. Well, what's interesting about this plan, Robert, is, yeah, you you have the team starting actual play uh, July 31st. So, you know, they're not going to have any exhibition games per se to, to kind of warm up. I mean, they're just going to go right into those eight games. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And then you have such a short offseason, like you said, for the, the top four, or even really the eight playoff teams, but certainly the ones who are going to be in the finals. Then you have those other eight teams who were not invited to this thing. Talk about a super long offseason that they're going to have. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a very strange situation when you think about going into this thing and then going into December 1st. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen Christmas Day. And it's funny, Robert, didn't we talk a few months ago on this podcast how maybe the NBA should just start in December every year? Well, they're going to do it this this coming year. Uh, I, I don't know if that's really going to mean that they're going to do it in the future. I think they want to try to get back on track with a regular season, you know, the year after that. But yeah, a couple of interesting things about how this whole plan works out is just how uneven things are and to, the quick turnaround from the end of the finals to the next preseason slash regular season. You know, it, is that going to pose more danger to players as far as getting injured, not having enough rest, you know, for some of them? It'll be interesting to see. Also, uh, speaking of, you know, just health, if somebody tests positive for COVID, the league not expected to stop play. So instead, what they're going to do is quarantine that person, monitor everybody who was in contact with them. If several players or staff members te- test positive from one team, they might reevaluate. Uh, there will be daily testing for everyone in the bubble. And, and Stephen, you know, this was the conversation is like, how are they going to handle the COVID situation? And I, I think society these days is just looking like, hey, you know, we can't just stop the world anymore. We're going to have to figure out a way to move on no matter what. Well, that's the harsh reality of it. And, you know, that's again, that's another difference between the NBA and baseball is that baseball can't even decide how they're how or if they're going to do any COVID testing. But, yeah, we I think we all hoped and thought several months ago this thing is, is going to pass through that by the summer. It'll be over, but it's not. And, and you know, the problem is the, the NBA is a business. Well, you know, all professional and college sports, they're business. At some point, they have to reopen. Uh, otherwise, they'll just completely go under. So at least the NBA is trying to take steps to do as much as they can to combat COVID-19. And really, I think it's the best plan that they could come up with. And it only stands to reason, you know, the NBA was the first to shut down. And they're, I mean, unless you count UFC, they're really the, the first major pro sports league to start back up again. I think it just shows the leadership that the NBA has, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're ahead of everybody else in, in leadership. And now now we got to talk about maybe big picture leadership and, and the rest of the world. And we put it off long enough, but uh, we've got to talk about what's going on. And we haven't done a show since the George Floyd protest. And I, I know Stephen... He went to Yates High School like you did. So yeah. uh, this was this was a guy that was actually a really good tight end for the Lions, too. And it's probably somebody you'd, you'd never heard of unless you were following. I doubt you were following Yates back in that in that George Floyd era. Yeah, first of all, George Floyd went to Yates, but it was some years after I did. It was some 
oh, 12, 15 years after I graduated. So I, I never knew George Floyd, but he did play football and basketball for the Lions. And uh, yeah, I believe he, he was a tight end, although some of the things that I read, you know, some of the uh, football players from that teams or the teams that he played on, you know, we're talking about what a, what a, they, a lot of them, I've, I've heard a lot of reference to George Floyd as the gentle giant. And that's what a lot of these players were talking about. Just, you know, what a nice guy he was. In fact, there was one story I read where in practice one day, George Floyd had the ball and one of the other players was coming up. And just as he was about to hit George Floyd, George turns and hands him the ball. He didn't want to get hit in practice. Now, when the game was on the line, he would take the hit. But he was, you know, he, <laughs> we're not talking about this, you know, violent, hungry guy that just loves to either take hits or dish them out. He, he would turn and hand the ball to the player who's about to hit him in practice just so he wouldn't get hit in practice. I mean, that that just kind of shows, and you know, the kind of person that George Floyd obviously was and probably still was even up until his death. But, yeah, it, it just this whole thing is just so tragic in so many ways, Robert, just in not only how it happened, but what may have to come about because it happened. Um, but I honestly didn't know until I guess a couple of days after George died that he lived in Houston and that he went to Yates. So, you know, it was interesting uh, to find that out. And he had actually gone up to Minneapolis to look for work. And of course he, you know, was a security guard at the club that the police officer that was charged was also there. So a lot of uh, interesting things coming together about this story, but yeah, just so, so tragic. There's a bunch of Houston angles that we get back to. We kind of circle back to with all of this. And I'm going to start off with, you got Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta asked the difference about speaking out against George Floyd, which he's okay with. And what Daryl Morey did, which is speaking out about the injustices in Hong Kong. And he said, quote, speaking up, uh, on an issue in America and speaking up on an issue somewhere else in the world are two different matters. In America, we have free speech and we can do whatever we want to do and say whatever we want and not be penalized because of it, unquote. And Stephen, can someone tell Tillman to shut up already? This just <laughs> in, Daryl Morey spoke up in America. He's an American. And last I knew, that's legal here. You know, I, I guess Tillman's fine with, you know, just everybody being abused in other countries. Uh, no, it's, this is, let's see what it's about. It's dollar bills, kids. Come on, Tillman. We know it. Just shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Arnold. Yeah. And we don't know what inside conversations Tillman had with Daryl Morey when he made the ch uh, comments about China, but you know, it was obvious back then if, if he was really that disturbed about it, Daryl Morey would be gone by now, but he obviously didn't see that much of a problem with it. He, he left him where he is. And then according to the interview I saw, he has no intention if Daryl wanted to speak out against this sort of thing, you know, that he's not going to try to stop him. Do you think it hurts him at all? Do you think it hurts Tillman to speak out of both sides of your mouth? Is that painful? Well, it usually that's that's what a lot of politicians seem to do. So but uh, I don't know. I, I haven't I don't know. Maybe you've heard more than I have. I haven't heard a lot of backlash about it. But, yeah, I think sometimes Tillman, I think Tillman does tend to say maybe a little too much. He, he's certainly not an owner that he's not like. Cal McNair, for instance, although and I'm sure we'll get to that here in a little bit, it's kind of a shocking deal there. So yeah, Tillman probably talks a little too much. Yeah, you can book, bookmark that because we're going to get back to that in just a second. But I got to get one more thing in on Tillman because he told the Chronicles, Jonathan Fagan, that he loves Mike D'Antoni and he thinks 
he's one of the best coaches and you know, uh, he just went on and on. And then he says yeah. the decision to keep D'Antoni, Stephen, is up to Daryl Morey. And that's funny because, uh, you know, Tillman says, I-, I love him, but not my decision. Not my decision. He's passing the Wait buck. a minute. Did, 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 when did Daryl Morey start writing checks, Robert? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's my question. When, when I first read that, my, my eyebrows went up. And I'm thinking, oh, this, this guy really is talking too much. First of all, the final decision always rests with the owner. Even if, you know, yeah, he may leave it up to Daryl, but I promise you, he has a say in what's going on because Tillman Fertitta doesn't want to lose. And if he feels like the Rockets aren't going to win championships with Mike D'Antoni, he's not going to have Mike D'Antoni there. Besides which, if he was really that big of a fan of Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni would have a new contract before this season had started. The fact that he didn't, Speaks volumes for me. Yeah, it almost it's like he's setting up a riff that there's some sort of riff between Maury and D'Antoni. Isn't that, isn't that what it sounds like a little bit? Or, you know, he's trying to just, you know, you guys just go in the ring and duke it out. I'm just going to stand here and uh, watch from the sidelines and may the best man win. I, that's kind of how I kind of how it feels to me. But I just thought it was so much BS, especially when he said I, I actually took more issue with that than what he said about Daryl's comments of China. Because it, it just sounded like so much BS to me. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, whatever. Tillman, I'm, I, I don't pay attention to you anymore. Uh, I just don't believe much of anything that you say. So let's move uh, back to the owner that you mentioned earlier. Uh, speaking of somebody that I don't know what to make of what he said, I, I, I did happen to catch Cal McNair's hostage video. I believe he was being held at gunpoint and made to say Black Lives Matter. Did, did somebody... Did somebody rescue him yet? Have they got have they got Cal McNair out of the, that situation? Man, I'm telling you. I mean, between him and Bill O'Brien, they they said more in this thing than they have all the years they've been with the Texans about the state of the Texans. How do you mean? Like, what do you mean about the state of the Texans? Just the fact that they're speaking out at all. You know, we we keep saying, you know, Cal and Bill need to be more front and center where where the team is concerned and explain why they did this and why they and, and really, you know, they've done very little of that. But with this issue. They both had something to say. Right. And it's, you know, it's amazing because we, we, we know Bob McNair's history on, on all of this. And where was Cal McNair when uh, all that other stuff was going on? And maybe he was just trying to be quiet, the nice kid, you know, and, until he got control of the team. But it, yeah, there's, there's nothing about that Cal McNair video that made me go, this is nothing. And, and let's, you know, we're going to go back to the NFL in general, but just so everybody knows there, there was Cal and Hannah McNair were at the funeral and Bill O'Brien was there and Jack Easterby and Anthony Weaver, Tim Kelly, JJ Watt, of course was there and DJ reader. Uh, but you just, all I could go think was when I heard all Cal McNair stuff and then you get Roger McDell, Roger Goodell, I should say he, he apologizing. He said, we, the NFL admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. Uh, uh, Steven, I, I don't know. It's it, it's about it's about time. Can the NFL, though, please offer an apology to Colin Kaepernick? I mean, where's that? Well, I, I just I don't know what to think of this, Robert. I mean, are they saying it because they feel like that's what they need to say? Or do they really believe it? I mean, they stood up so much during the whole Colin Kaepernick thing saying how wrong it was. They, they went out of their way to be the no fun league and tell the players they couldn't do this. So now all of a sudden they're backtracking because of all this happening. 
I, I just, I don't know whether I really believe it. I mean, what else are they going to say unless they really want to put themselves in a tarnished reputation situation? I, I'm just not convinced that that's how they really feel about it. Are you questioning the earnest and genuineness of Roger Goodell? Are you really? You know, maybe I shouldn't because, you know, I, I have a, I had a boss one time who, when he dressed up in a suit, he looked just like Roger Goodell. So, you know, that may be my boss and he might fire me if I go too much further. So maybe I should stop. One of the great quotes this week, Stephen, uh, I, I just can't tell you how much I love this because, you know, Ernie Johnson, here he is, this old white guy that's on TNT and you just, you, you don't think about Ernie as being this really, you know, a guy that's going to say something that's just going to grab you. But but he always just just when you're not expecting it, you know, he'll come out and say something really special. And, and he his quote was, you can't use the flag as a blindfold. That is an incredible quote right there. Wow. Yeah, I, I had not seen that. And I'd say that that puts it very nicely. I You know, my whole thing with this, Robert, is we can pass all the legislation we want, we can have all the reforms we want, whether it's in the NFL, whether it's in government, whether it's on our police force. But real change isn't going to occur until people change their hearts and minds. You know, all the legislation in the world it isn't going to change a mind. A person has to be willing to change it. You know, it, it starts with every one of us individually to look at ourselves and say, hey, what do we really believe? Do we really believe this? And I think that that's where I am now is as far as any issue that because we are two generations removed from the civil rights movement. Have we not learned anything from any of this? Apparently not, because there are still people who feel the same way today that they did 50 years ago. Or if they weren't born at that particular time, they've either been raised to think that way or somehow they have just grown up thinking that way because we're still facing some of the same issues that this country faced 50, 60, 70 years ago. And that includes sports. I feel like I should do my skip Bayless and just do counterpoint and say, hey, racism, it's a great thing. Why don't we keep doing it? But uh, I'm not going to go <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, probably I, not today. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to mention, though, uh, we got to get back to the Texans because, again, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's not a Texan anymore. But Deshaun Watson still is. And both of those guys working to get John C. Calhoun off Clemson's buildings. And just so everyone knows, Calhoun, the seventh vice president in U.S. history. But if you read about him, he's famous for being an advocate for slavery. Clemson was actually built on his plantation, but his name wasn't actually added to the buildings at Clemson until 1981. So this wasn't like a recent, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, hey, we just noticed that uh, 200 years ago it had his name. No, no, no. It was it was 1981, not 1851 when they started putting his names on the buildings. Yeah, and again, I think it's as much a reaction. And and you know, we've we've seen a lot of this over the years with Confederate signs or flags being removed from buildings, and this is just another one that I I think you're going to see even more of that now because of this. Keep in mind that DeAndre Hopkins. I think there's a reason, and from what I understand, it he might have come out and said this, but there's a reason why, you know, when he's get gets introduced on Monday Night Football, and they say, oh, you know, I'm, you know, DeAndre Hobson from Clemson. No, he doesn't say from Clemson, so that's that's a key thing to remember. And also, he wrote on Twitter this that his cousin from South Carolina, ten, he did ten years in jail. His cousin did for six hundred dollars worth of drugs. 
which is the real we- reason he wears number 10 uh, in, in honor of his cousin. And Stephen, it's those kinds of stories that put us where we are right now. Well, that's right. And, you know, DeAndre, and I know we've said this before, but he he's a guy that, that if you're a Texans fan, you're going to miss. And I'm not talking about just his contributions on the football field, just the kind of guy he is. And that that, as much as anything else, is one reason I'm sad he's no longer a Texan. I got some bad news for you, Stephen. Remember way back about two weeks ago when you loved Drew Brees, and, but he hadn't been canceled by the internet yet? No, he hadn't been canceled by the internet, and he hadn't had that interview with, uh, who was it, Yahoo Finance, um, where he made the comments about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and, and his opposition to it. Yeah, I had said Drew Brees was one of my favorite non-Houston football players. Um, yeah, what a shame. I mean, it, it just... Whether you you know whether you feel the way Drew feels or not, the, the comments were just poorly timed. I mean, that's just not it's not the thing to say at a time like this. It really isn't. And you know he's backtracked and apologized at least twice that I know of. But it's one of those things that you know once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back. He had a lot of years to think about it though, and yeah, doubled down like at the very worst time that he had to do it. Yes, he 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 is immediately in uh, sort of PR control at this point and and he knows hey these guys are the guys that are probably going to be blocking for me on sunday so i better you know kind of say the right thing here when some of his own teammates have come out against him yeah you know you're in trouble you you definitely want to uh do whatever you can to appease them right yeah i mean uh i i i don't know what what he's thinking here and i mean he's talking about you know my grandfather was in the war and i i get all that but so we're a lot of black soldiers uh, they were with your grandfather and they came home and they didn't get the same situation that your grandfather got. So, you know, I think somebody said that and that's probably the best way to describe where the difference is here. It's like, no, no, you don't get it. You know, you just don't get it. And you know, it wasn't about the flag. Then we've told you 400 times. It's not about the flag. Uh, and it's not about the flag. It's about the flag and a, in a signature, in a, uh, what, what would you call it? a, you know, the flag in a big picture way, but not a material thing. And it's just like, he just didn't get it. And, and, you know, that's the problem is just like people are just kind of brain dead. And so instead of like real nice, peaceful demonstrations on a football field, you know, you get protests in cities around the United States and this is where we are. Yeah, this is where we are. And whether you agree with what Colin Kaepernick did or not, the fact is those who have fought and continue to fight in our military have fought for the right to us, for us to have the freedom to protest, whether it's kneeling at the national anthem, whether it's peacefully protesting, and I underline the word peacefully. I don't think we have the right to be, you know, destroying property and killing people in a violent way as a, as a way of protesting. But everyone in our military has fought for our freedom to express our views, whether it's protesting or, or something else. And that's one thing I think that we all forget. And I have a label for those people that are rioting and destroying property. I don't call them protesters. I call them fake protesters. You know, if we're, if we're, if we're coming up with words these days, I yeah. think that, that's where we need to be on that one. And there's a lot of people that I think had absolutely nothing to do with the movement. You know, some of them, you know, as, as you might have heard, might have you know, been people that were uh, sort of set up to do this, let's just say. They're, they're instigators of trouble is certainly what they are. Right. And, and you know, I, I, I'll give you something else that really came good out of all this is, you know, Michael Jordan continues to have a hell of a run right now. He said, this might be his best run since that 1998 championship run, because 
Michael Jordan, the Jordan brand, and Nike pledged $100 million to social organizations dedicated to helping change institutionalized and economic racism. That story came out this past uh, few days. And if anybody can beat racism, Stephen, I'm going to put my money on MJ. Well, I'd put my money on MJ, and I kind of wish Muhammad Ali were here because, you know, he'd be right in the thick of it, too, with all of this going on. And he certainly, you know, he was he was there back in the civil rights movement. But, yeah, Michael Jordan, if there's anyone that could be a spokesperson for change, it would be him for sure. Let's bring this all back to Houston, because when you talk about um, racial profiling in Houston sports, Let's not forget what happened to Tabo Cephalosha a few years ago because it's been written about a little bit recently. And I don't know. Do you remember this story, Stephen? You know, I think I read it when he came to the Rockets. And um, you know, refresh my memory on the details. Yeah, I think people might have. It was this little under the radar story when it happened. To, I, I, you know, if you were a big NBA fan and maybe you're a Hawks fan, which I don't know if there's any like hardcore Hawks fans out there. But, but you go back to 2015. This is five years ago. Pacers forward Chris Copeland. And two women were stabbed outside a New York nightclub. Cephalosha and his then Atlanta Hawks teammate, Pero Antich, were also at the club, but not involved in the stabbing incident. But they were arrested that night after officers claimed that they'd interfered with the crime scene. So Cephalosha said he complied with the officers, but was taken to the ground and arrested. The officers broke Tabo's leg and tore ligaments causing him to miss the rest of the regular season and postseason, a jury would later find that Cephalosha was not guilty on all three misdemeanor charges, and he settled a lawsuit, Stephen, with five police officers for $4 million. Well, yeah, I do remember that now, and all I can say is it. thank goodness it wasn't worse than it was that he didn't end up being another George Floyd or Michael Brown or, you know, the others who— actually died by the hands of police brutality, racial profiling, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I I think I do remember the details now that you've told that story. Yeah. So this is I mean, it's you know, it's it's so many uh, pieces to this puzzle are are real present with Houston and just with everything that we see going on the last few years. It it just it's always around. And this story is it's not going anywhere. I mean, hopefully things get a little bit better. I mean, there you know, there was like one little minor, you know, sports news, real sports news, like about actual stuff on the field in a way. Uh, I don't, I don't know if anybody saw this, but Texan special teams coordinator, Brad Seeley retired after 31 years. So the Texans once again, for the fourth time in Bill O'Brien's regime, are going to have a new special teams coordinator. Yeah. I was a little surprised when I saw that. And uh, it's, it's going to be sad because he certainly had the special teams up and running to where they should be. You know, just when they were getting going, now you're going to have to look for another guy, and you hope he can be even close to as good as Brad Seeley, the job that he did the past couple of years. Also, uh, as far as the COVID thing and what's going on over there, I thought this was kind of interesting. The University of Houston, from what I was reading, they only plan to test their athletes for the virus if they show symptoms. So this is something I, th- I thought it was just going to be, you know, for sure when sports was back. Oh yeah, well we got to just start testing everybody. Where that's that's where where we can get to back to I guess regular play and 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 reality a little bit and, and feel safe about it. But you know, it's it's only if they show symptoms now. Well, that's interesting because you know since the players have had that voluntary reporting on June first, I know there have been several who have tested positive on uh, some campuses. So 
you know, it's just something you you really you you've got to try to try to stay out in front as much as you can with it. So yeah, that's interesting. I I hope that doesn't come back to bite them in the uh, near or sometime in the future. So many angles about everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Is there is there anything I've missed, Stephen? We 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 took a week off because you know there's not sports to talk about, but there there has been sports in, in its own way all over the place going on. Well, I, I will say this, Robert. I, I consider myself an optimist. I, I have pessimistic moments and thoughts like I think everyone does, especially during a time like this. It's been a difficult year. We've had COVID-19 and, you know, we've had the situation with the racism and the protests. But I just believe, you know, things will work out. I like to think that we will get through this as a country, as a society, that some positive change will start happening and it, it may not be next week, may not be next month, but at some point, I'm just hoping that we will come out on the other side stronger than ever. And I'm not just as a society, but in, in the sports realm, that, that sports will come back stronger than ever and, and, and maybe even have some different attitudes when you get back out on the field and, and on the court. Yeah. One thing you're, you're kind of wondering about, Stephen, is what's going to happen with, you know, law enforcement night, you know, for the Astros or the rockets or whatever. I mean, is, is that going to be cool to do that anymore? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, especially with the attitude that, that we have toward law enforcement now and just some of the, the reforms that are being bandied about. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what kind of promotions that you come up with uh, as far as that's concerned. Just want to remind our listeners also that if you're looking for something to take you away for your, from your current troubles and, you know, it, it's it's not going to be about the current events necessarily because we do the throwback Thursday podcast every Thursday and, and lots of fun conversations from our past seven years of doing the podcast that this past Thursday, uh, Stephen was talking about Muhammad Ali. Oh my goodness. Uh, just some incredible stories. Uh, go back and listen to it if you haven't, but just the stuff with Mickey Herskowitz and this was a guy that was there. Like he knew Muhammad Ali. He has stories of being around Muhammad Ali. Just go listen to that. It's just it's it's absolutely one of my favorite conversations in the seven year history, and and then also the week before, if you missed it, little tribute to Jeff Bagwell who had a birthday, and just uh, going back looking at his career, the Bagwell career is uh, something that with all the current Astros, if you forget how good a player he was, or need to remind him, mean, he's all in the Hall of Famer. You hear him a lot in the Astros broadcast, but still, uh, the Jeff Bagwell stuff is, is is great too, and you know if if. If we could get your feedback, we would love it. So feedback, questions, uh, topics, anything, suggestions, whatever you want to do, uh, you can message us through Twitter, Facebook, or email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. It's easy to find in the show description every week. Uh, so from there, we'll just say, you know, as we always do at, at this part <laughs> of the show, because it, it's become a thing that's kind of important. Stay, stay healthy and stay safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>